Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Piria and Elizabeth Zhovkova. Today, I have the pleasure to meet Svein Feidal, a climate expert and activist, a former UN environmental director and a founder of Climate 2020. Mr. Feidal shares effective and quick ways of tackling climate change and his thoughts on the strong role and impact of young people on environmental policy. Welcome, Mr. Tfaidal, and thank you for being our guest today. As a former UN environmental director and a present climate activist, as the environmental crisis accelerates, what are your observations on the new policies versus ethics, on uh, global leaders' words versus actions? I think um, Greta Thunberg is in a full right to say blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and do you know any Nobody else than deniers that say we are doing enough or follow the recommendation from the scientists. I think if we are honest, we um, really don't do what science tells us to do. And the situation is that um, the gap is widening. If we go back to the um, uh, Paris meeting um, uh, now six years ago, then uh, uh, it was... Uh, there was a plan to stop warming on two degrees or try to, to meet 1.5 degree. Six years later now, it is much more difficult to reach uh, these goals than um, it was six years ago. So, uh, uh, and in addition to that, you know, in, in Paris, all countries made a pledge about um, what they would deliver to reach these global goals. And they were not sufficient because if you put them together, uh, the um, earth will still warm around three centigrades. But the worst thing now or, or the, uh, is that when we uh, take stock, uh, most countries doesn't even deliver what they promised in, um, in uh, Paris. Uh, which was insufficient. So that's why the Secretary General in the UN is saying that we are on on code red. Humanity is on code red. And it actually, instead of getting less red, it is getting more red. And it will also be red after the uh, uh, climate meeting in uh, in Glasgow later uh, this year, now in, in one month. So the answer is that we are not uh, following up uh, the promises we make or keep to the agreements we have uh, jointly uh, decided within the UN system, for instance. Thank you for this insightful answer, Mr. Tfaidal. Um So, is meeting the goal of net zero emissions by 2050 realistic? It is possible but uh, according to what we see is happening now it is not realistic uh, you know we will in order to get net zero in 2050 what we really need is to set short-term goals 
that is needed to, to uh, reach net zero in 2050. And uh, what are these short-term goals? Yes, they are quite uh, tough because we need to reduce global emissions by 50% in eight years uh, within 2030. And what is happening? According to Secretary General, we will not uh, reduce emissions by 50%. We will increase them by 16%, which will give us a warming at the end of the century on um, close to three centigrades, maybe more. And that is a recipe not on a climate crisis, but on a climate catastrophe. So that is, and, and you know, all prime ministers and all CEOs in the global big companies, uh, it is not that difficult to set a, a goal on net zero in 2050, because they, at that time, uh, they will not be prime ministers or CEOs, somebody else would have taken over. So the only way, uh, if I should say that it is realistic to uh, reach net zero in um, 2050 is that we see that the necessary short-term goals are realistic within the next two, three, four, five years. That is what is needed, and we are not there. In, in <laughs> we will probably see a year before 2030 that already will be warmer than 1.5 centigrades over pre-industrial time. So um, we are really in a very, very difficult and challenging uh, situation. You mentioned that we are not there yet. Can we truly prevent an ecological apocalypse? It is possible, but according to the current policy, it is not realistic. Uh, and, you know, for the time being, we are facing both a nature crisis and a climate crisis. And they are very much interlinked. You know, without a robust nature, it is impossible to solve the uh, global climate crisis. And what we see now is that nature is disappearing at the same speed as by the, uh, at the sixth mass extinction 55 million years ago, when the dinosaurs went extinct. According to United Nations, one million out of eight is on the brink of extinction as we speak. So this is absolutely dramatic. But uh, there are solutions, uh, and um, I can give you a couple of examples that would work immediately. Uh, uh, let's take the climate crisis. <clears throat> if we stopped subsidizing of fossil fuel, we might be, and, and gave it a price that is uh, the same price as the fossil fuel is damaging uh, the earth, then we would see a um, reduction of um, one third of the global emissions in a very short time. So that is something that politicians can do if they really want. A little bit more about the, the pace of uh, fossil fuel uh, subsidizing. We, we subsidize this with $11 million each minute. This can stop. And that would be a very, very fast way of reducing emissions. If we get, gave the emissions the price as, uh, as it cost the, uh, the world to, uh, to, to have it, 
for now it's in most countries it's free to 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 pollute polluters must pay and uh, another thing that is uh, would give a fast uh, uh, in a way <coughs> improvement or it it would increase um, uh, the uh, uh, reduction of emissions and it would protect nature that is to stop all deforestation uh, because um, biomass is binding um, co2 and when you when you burn it then co2 is uh, uh, is uh, uh, emitted and in uh, in uh, uh, if we stopped all uh, deforestation today and uh, uh, stopped shrinking the biomass in the world uh, emissions would be reduced by maybe 15 percent and uh, that is of course not only good for emissions but also for nature because so many species is still in the in the rainforests for instance in uh, in brazil or indonesia or congo and again to talk about the crisis we have and the tipping points if we now don't manage to stop warming on two degrees as the un is said is the upper limit but let's say as it looks now that two three centigrade or more we can see that uh, uh, and we could experience that the rainforest is collapsing and, and, and are being savanna and of course that would kill biodiversity and nature and it would be in a way a world uh, it is difficult to to uh, understand uh, or to to see how it looks like but probably humans cannot live there so stop fossil fuel um, subsidizing and stop deforestations it is possible to do it and we would see a reduction of emissions on more than 40 percent and we would protect nature another thing that UN is saying the, the um, now the um, uh, the cop 15 in um, in biodiversity is coming up in china in uh, actually this month and um, recommendations from <coughs> from scientists is that we need to uh, protect uh, one third of the oceans and one third of land and if we manage to do that, we would manage to uh, stop the uh, mass extinction, and as they say now, the sixth, the sixth mass extinction. So that is another goal that is also dependent on political action. And to give you an example, uh, if if we we can we can take two of the most polluted areas in the world. And that is uh, Chernobyl, where you had the uh, nuclear uh, uh, disaster 34 years ago, and you can take the Bikini Islands in uh, in the Pacific uh, uh, Ocean, where uh, we had this uh, uh, atomic bomb uh, testing um, maybe 50 years ago. Both these places is not possible for people to live in because of all the pollution but uh, <clears throat> the nature is flourishing uh, there is so much now animals and in in chernobyl and fish in bikini island so if we let the nature uh, uh, be for it itself it will 
very fast recover, and that is the solution we have. And that's why it is so important to protect 30% of land and 30% of oceans, and that should actually be done in every country in the world. It is a tough task, but it is a necessary task, and it is something that the politicians need to do. It is a tough task indeed, uh, Mr. Tvaidal. Um, you are a founder of the climate change consultancy, Clima 2020. Can you tell us more about its mission? That is a company I started when I retired from the UN and the, the, uh, uh, the main uh, mission of, of that company is to do as I have been interested in, uh, in my whole life actually because I, I grew up on a small farm very close to nature, it is to protect nature. And if, if we go back to, to when I grew up, uh, I had, um, uh, there was no cars. Uh, we used uh, horse and, and bikes as transport. And at that time, nobody had heard about that nature and uh, was in any danger. We, we were absolutely convinced that... Um, uh, in uh, uh, it would be like what I experienced experienced when I was a boy forever, and if at that time I had um, so somebody had asked me about how would the world look like in twenty twenty one as today, and I had known about that and said it, nobody would have believed me because it is so impossible to think it's, it would have been more or less science fiction. And this, uh, this uh, transition or this change has gone extremely fast and it goes even faster for the next generation. So my passion for nature and, and, um, and later on then climate, because that was something that was a threat to, to the nature, to, to help out with that has been my interest. And I've been doing that in the UN and I'm now uh, trying to do it through my, my own company. One of the most interesting things or, or, uh, which I really like today is that I have, together with a writer, we have set up a presentation we call Hope or Catastrophe. And we are going around to, so far we have visited more than 150 schools in Norway, and we have met uh, more than 20,000 young people. And we are talking to them about what they can expect in the future. And uh, that is a tough message. And uh, when I talked about when I was a, a young boy, the, the um, change until 2021 has been uh, dramatically. But when we think about what will happen in 2100, the, the, the uh, uh, development is going even faster. So that's such a big challenge. But we try to threats that they are uh, uh, facing, but we are maybe most of the time talking about the hope and we are saying that it is possible. I'm, I'm telling them about the solutions I have mentioned very shortly in this interview. And maybe a last thing that I think is so interesting to, to explain to the young people and that I would be happy to explain here. And that is that they don't know it, but 
for the last three years, who has really been the drivers of a necessary policy change in the world? It is not the, the, the prime ministers, it's not the UN, it is the young people, and it is what Greta Thunberg has been doing. And her one million or more people and young people that has this Friday for Future and that has going out in the streets. And I explained to them why this has been so extremely important. And the reason is as follows. Because now we see when the meeting is coming up in Glasgow, we see at the UN uh, uh, conference, uh, UN uh, annual uh, top level meeting, that more and more leaders of states, the secretary general and so forth, they realize the challenge that we have been talking about in this interview. And that they try to uh, do something with it. And they will try in, in uh, Glasgow. Unfortunately, they will not achieve enough. But the point is that the, the, their best argument and what really works in, uh, in, uh, as a policy driver is to talk about what the young people has been doing the last three years in the streets. They have been going out there to fight for their own sustainable future. And that is a message that is extremely strong. So the, the uh, uh, speech that Greta Thunberg, as an example, has been given to, to conference of parties in the UN and so forth in Milan uh, uh, recently, is more important than uh, a single speech of one of the state leaders or, or even the secretary general. So, that is what gives me hope, and that is the hope I try to transfer to the young people because of their own action. And then I, in a way, finish these meetings by saying that if anybody, I'm, I'm showing them a little, little video about Greta Thunberg's speech, and then I say that if anybody of you have been out there and participating in this extremely important uh, effort, I say thank you very much because you have done a very, very important thing. Thank you so much for this insightful and inspiring conversation, Mr. Tveda. Uh, thank you for inviting me and good luck with your message. <laughs>